Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. I gained enough energy to reach out to two friends who I felt were probably the safest friends. Uh, but it took several months to even get enough energy to reach out to them. And that was risky, right? Because Very risky. everyone else had not been there for you. Correct. But these two, I knew enough of their stories to know that they had been through similar things and I dared to reach out to them. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. All we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Life Support is hosted by Pastor Paul Johnson from Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. And he's here to offer encouragement and hope to you if you might be going through pain and suffering yourself. Pastor Paul is no stranger to suffering, losing his first wife to cancer, and then experiencing the tragic homicide of his son Taylor in recent years. And now, Life Support with Pastor Paul. Hey, this is Life Support. So glad you're here. And we are telling stories to help you find a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ through trauma, through some of the dark things that happen in life. And we're visiting again with Melinda Cathy, who is a trauma therapist, who is a missionary, and thanks a lot for being here again, Melinda. I really appreciate it. Glad to be here. Where we left off, you went not that long ago through a really difficult time. You had been uh, a missionary in Russia. You had developed a really great ministry to orphans who were coming of age and needed help, and um, you then came back to the States, and you went through a time where little by little over a six-month period, your your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your friends, your church, they were just all stripped away, and you were in a place where you didn't know why, and you were in just deep, dark despair. And right before we left the last time, you you talked about how the Psalms and how Job became your mentors. Yes. Tell me about that. What did that scripture involvement mean to you, and why did it become like that for you? Well, um, I think, you know, going back a little bit, um, probably one of my deepest childhood wounds was always a sense of feeling rejection and alone. And so the scriptures had always been um, very real to me. And when I came to Christ in college, um, he was very real to me. It was, it was an experiential transformation, uh, a very radical transformation in my life. And so he had felt real to me um, and with me in times when no one else was with me. And so in, in this dark, dark place, I ran to him, and I recognized that I, I had a choice to either run away from him or run to him. And I had had enough experience over the years of him being with me in very difficult places, although this was the most difficult by far, yeah. that I chose to run to him in all of my pain and despair and confusion and anger Anger at him, anger at the church, anger at the world, 
Um, and I remember coming to a couple times in my life where that same kind of pathway was there. You either at this point can choose to trust mm-hmm. and move into areas with God that you don't understand, mm-hmm. or you can choose to bail on your faith. And for me, it was always, number one, that I have nothing there in the world that yeah. I want, and I it's going to be Nowheresville. And yes. it's kind of like Peter. Exactly. And it's, yeah, where else am I going to go? Exactly. And you knew God well enough yes. at that point to know to take that turn yes. toward him, though you knew nothing about what this was going to turn out like. Right. Yeah. So I had tasted and seen enough mm. of his faithfulness mm-hmm. and goodness in the past that that I was able to turn to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just cried out to him. And, you know, I think one of the greatest gifts that my father gave me was this fearlessness with the Lord, um, an ability to just take everything to him in rawness. Mm-hmm. And I was raw, and so my language was probably not what you would you know, <laughs> acquaint mm-hmm. with a missionary. Mm-hmm. I was very raw and mm-hmm. very angry and very cynical with the Lord. And yet, um, when I read the Psalms, I, I could so relate to David. Mm-hmm. I, he's so raw yeah. in, in there. Abandoned, betrayed, yes. lonely lonely, confused, Mm. doubting, um, asking the Lord to dash his enemies on the rocks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's raw. Job Mm. is raw. And um, I think we miss that so Mm. much. We just gloss over the real places where these guys were. Yeah, yeah. And so what happened next? Um. So I, th- I gained enough energy to reach out to two friends who I felt were probably the safest friends. Uh, but it took several months to even get enough energy to reach out to them. And that was risky, right? Because Very risky. Because everyone else had not been there for you. Correct. But these two, I knew enough of their stories to know that they had been through similar things, and I dared to reach out to them. And they loved me well. So they were there for me, and they could handle the depths of my despair. It didn't scare them. Mm -hmm. Um, They were able to listen and cry with me and pray with me and not try to fix me, um, but be there with me. And that was the beginning, I think, of a turning point for me. Why is that so unusual in a church to find people that understand how to handle this kind of pain? It seems like in a church you should major in helping people in pain. Why is that, do you think? Well, um, I think when you say that, I think it's it's important to... um, delineate an American church Mm. from the church at large. Mm -hmm. So uh, because I'm a missionary and because I've been exposed to um, a lot of different expressions of the body of Christ, um, I can tell you that um, it's, it's uniquely American. It's not the same 
if you're in the African church or in the Russian church or churches, you know, anywhere in Eastern Europe, churches that have been through tr genocide, mm -hmm. uh, tremendous oppression, mm. it's not the same. So I think the American church, um, we're not used to suffering. We're, we're, we've lived in primarily times of peace and prosperity, and we don't have a very well-defined theology of suffering mm -hmm. in our churches. Mm -hmm. um, I don't In fact, know. I would submit that we have conflicting theologies of suffering because you'll have a person over on one side of your sanctuary that will come at it from, I'm just going to use names now to help define the theology, but from a John Piper perspective, mm -hmm. where they're totally confident that all of this suffering is God-ordained and they, you know, they're going to go that direction. Over here, you might have a prosperity gospel understanding of suffering, that if I'm suffering, something's wrong, i got to yes. fix this. And they're coexisting in the same church, in the same small groups. Right. And so, you know, the, the theology of suffering, it's really important for church leaders yes. and pastors to write about this, yes. to, to develop it, to preach about it, to tell people that suffering is a normal part of the Christian life, and in fact, is ordained by God in order to refine us and grow us and to make us more like Christ. But if we don't preach about it, if we don't teach about it, mm -hmm. our congregations are left to their own devices, and they'll figure it out from some other place that we don't want them to. Exactly. So I agree with that 100%. Exactly. It's not normalized, but it's, it's, nobody wants to preach on it. It's not fun to go up in the pulpit. And no. You've got people that are all excited to be at church and... Let's talk about suffering. Right. No, I don't like this church anymore, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. So, so there's, yeah, I mean, I think it's a mixed bag. I think that there are people in the church that are longing and hungering for that because it's real. And then there are people who don't want anything to do with it because it's too scary. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, so there's both of those, but, uh, you know, everybody, it is real, and it's a part of life, and everybody is going to suffer at some point. And um, if we don't get it in the churches, you know, th the body of Christ is supposed to be there mm -hmm. to suffer with those who suffer. Christ is present with the brokenhearted. He mm -hmm. came to set free the captives mm -hmm. and um, to be with the brokenhearted. And the church has got to get a handle on that. Yeah. So how can the church, if I'm a churchgoer and I'm committed to my church, but I don't know what to do with a person that I know or people in my church that are going through the suicide of a child or going through a long battle with cancer, and I, I don't know what to say. Right. Where do I start? Well, okay, I'll back up a little bit. I think it has to start, as you mentioned, from the top. It has to start from the top, from the leadership that normalizes suffering. And they have to free people up to they actually to experience people. it and deal with it, right? To be honest, there yeah. have to be places in our churches where it is okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and where we don't have to just give pat answers, we don't have to give a Bible verse, but people are free and okay to be in their journey to be struggling with God and to not be okay. Mm -hmm. And then for the person in the pew, I think, um, you know, we're not going to be able to be with other people unless we've dealt with our own pain. Mm 
And so I think that's the second the second part is is coming to grips with our own pain, our own disappointment with God, our own um, sadness and cynicism and anger and kind of learning to deal with our own stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's only, you know, we have a saying as a therapist that you can only take someone as far as you have gone. And so it's the same way in the church. And I, I think that's that's indicative of our superficiality in the churches is none of us have really gone very far in our own pain. And so if we're going to get deeper, we have to first deal with our own stuff before we can be comfortable being with someone else in their own pain. So how does a pastor, in your opinion, you're a, you're a trauma therapist and you've been, you're, you've been a Christian leader. You've been on in the dark time, the dark night of the soul. How does a pastor foster that kind of freedom in a church? Well, um, there's a lot of great books out there. There's a lot of people who, you know, have written um, on some of these these subjects. And so, you know, especially today in the, in the time of COVID and all the mm-hmm. racial um, unrest and all the division in our society, do we need any more fodder? Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Deal, this is a good to, time to begin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to deal with, with some of these, these issues. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, Timothy Keller has great books on um, suffering. Brad Jursak on uh, listening to God. Um, Scazzaro, is it Peter Scazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh, There's just tons of good books out there that Mm -hmm. churches can begin to get around to begin to deal with some of their own issues and the uncomfortableness mm-hmm. with dealing with suffering. And, you know, how do you bring small groups to become more authentic? Um, so the small group that I was a part of, we were together for 10 years and um, three divorces within that group. Mm. How is that possible that no one can talk about the issues that are real for 10 years. Yeah, that's shocking, but yet uh, all too common. Yes. And that's where the whole idea, if, you know, being in a Bible study or an accountability group is great, except you can hide in one of those things for a long time. But there are also groups that learn this and they do mm-hmm. life together and they keep each other accountable and they walk through the difficult times of life. And it's hard, but they figure it out. But to me, a pastor has to be willing to share his own uh, stuff to a certain extent. I mean, you want to be wise and, and you don't want to make it about you, but you do need to, to let people know that you have their struggles, yes. that you know, you're, you're, pro- you're, you're a project of God that's underway. Because if you're not willing to share some of the depths of your own struggle I'll just say that it's going to be really tough for anyone in your congregation to feel free. Absolutely. Because that will rub off on the board. That will rub off on your small group leaders, your staff, and they'll begin to be freed up as well. So I think, and then if you're a lead pastor and you go like, wow, I really haven't been through a lot. Well, praise God. Then find some people in your church that can share their stories. Yes. But, But I think that's, you know foster a culture by 
taking chances and being vulnerable yourself and then sometimes you share something and you kind of stand back and go oh man did I go too far or are people going to see that as a narcissistic kind of like it's all about me and then what you see happen most of the time is people start coming to you and going wow yes you know I'm dealing with this and thanks for saying that and so forth people are hungry for that absolutely so I can tell you I did find uh, a new church and um I walked in and I had a list of things from the Lord. I said, I'm not, I'm not going back unless these criteria are met. And there were a list of about eight of them. And one of them was this authenticity mm -hmm. um, from the leadership. And so the first week when I walked into this new church and I'm kind of slinking in the background, wanting to be yeah. anonymous, yeah. completely suspicious. And, uh, well, the first three weeks that I were there, there were three different leaders that were teaching and they all talked about their stories in the, in the midst of their sermons and the reality. And they had gone through depression, and they had gone, one had gone through divorce, and they had suicidal. And, and I was like, okay, this is a place that is safe. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the word you thought of, safe. Safe. Yeah. Yes. And so now, you know, ha after having been there for several years, um, I think one of the things that they do that I found out to kind of make sure that they're sharing their stories appropriately is they all do their sermons beforehand, like on Wednesday before they're, they're giving their sermons. And they have a group of people that listen to their sermons and kind of vet and help them mm -hmm. go, you know, that's maybe a little, a bit, little too bit too rough. much, right. Mm -hmm. And so it helps them. Mm -hmm. But they're very real and it does create um, a unique sense of safe, safety that I have never experienced anywhere else. We'll continue this conversation with Melinda Cathy in a moment. I'm Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, and we've just recently launched a trauma site intended as tools and resources for the church to equip leaders to come alongside those going through pain and suffering. If you'd like to learn more, Log on to lifesupportresources.org. That's lifesupportresources.org. And now back to our conversation with Pastor Paul. Do you find that many of your clients struggle with being safe? Absolutely. That's the number one thing. Because, they're, because pain causes you to be vulnerable. I remember that not long after... Uh, our son was murdered, and it was a big it was a big story, and everyone knew. And I remember, you know, we kind of sat in our house for three or four weeks, and and we decided we'd venture out to go to dinner. And I remember walking into the restaurant, and we got a booth, and I remember we looked at each other, and she came around, and we just we just hid in terror mm -hmm. in the booth, because if somebody would have come up and said, "Oh, you know, how are you?" It would have crushed us. That's yes. how vulnerable you are. Yes. And so safe is a big deal. It's a very big deal because you do. You feel utterly vulnerable. Vulnerable I mean, is the word. Yes. Yep. And so safety is the key. Yeah. And so how do you, as a congregant, you know somebody's struggled. You know somebody's been through a difficult time. What are the do's and don'ts? What are the things that you can do and the things that you should Probably not do, and I know my 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 wife has a these are the stupid things people said <laughs> list, but there are some helpful things, and then there are some things that yeah, 
probably not so helpful. What have you kind of found in that area in your own life and as a therapist? You know, I think the best thing that you can do is, well, the absolute non-starter is to try to fix or give any answers at all. Mm -hmm. When people are in that state, they just need to feel... Even the right answers. Even the right answers. They can't receive it. No, timing is everything. And so presence is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, Just letting people know that you are present, that you are available, um, and to simply say, I know this is a rough time for you. If there's anything that you need, Mm -hmm. I'm here. Mm -hmm. I would love to pray with you. I would love to listen to you. I will cry with you. If, if you want to just sit, I'm here. I am available. Give them your phone number. And don't be offended if they don't call. And don't be offended if they don't call. Mm-hmm. And, and do not give pat answers. Mm-hmm. Do not try to fix them. Allow them to just be a mess for a while. And don't, don't share your own story about yes. how bad it was for you because they can't receive that either. Mm-mm. And I love when this happens, you know, if you're dealing with a cancer journey and someone says, you know, you know, I want to tell you about my aunt. (laughs) She died of that. (laughs) She's going to like, thank you for that uplifting, you know, but people do that stuff because they're out of a good heart wanting to relate to you. Right. Because they see you're in pain. Right. But what that person really needs is just what you said. Do you care about me or not? That's what, that's what you want to know. And uh, I often, um, you know, the people that said the least, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, we're here for you. Um, I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's, you know, like you said, anything you need, but no pressure. Right. And they were big enough people to be able to walk away and go, if they never call me, that's fine. Right. It's the manipulators and the people that expect you to walk down their path that can be really difficult when mm-hmm. you're in pain. And so I think that's excellent advice. You are... Sitting before me now, you're no longer this person that you described to me. You're, you're not the person sitting in a dark room in, in a chair, unable to move. Um, God has redeemed you, but I bet you're still a work in progress, right? Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would not use past tense. I would not, he, he is He's redeeming, redeeming me. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm still very much in process. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I have... Um, much more energy to engage than I, I did have. I'm functioning. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of back in the game, I'll say, but uh, very much in process. So I'm, I'm much more aware of my own issues. I think, um, you know, what the Lord was doing was reorienting my identity, but he was also digging up some wounds that um, I thought were done, you know, old childhood wounds that, like, I'm, I was like, are you kidding me? Are we back here again? Are we still dealing with this? Mm-hmm. And he was like, yep, we're still dealing with it. We're peeling another layer of the onion, and the wound is very, very deep. And so I'm more aware of how that impacts me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm much more cautious in the relationships that I develop. I mm-hmm. think I have better boundaries. Mm-hmm. I'm healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am a work in progress. Yeah. And I have surrounded myself with 
very safe people now. I have created a network for myself of safe people, and that makes all the difference in the world. Well, congratulations, and what a great story to glorify God with, and thank you so much for sharing all of that. I mean, it takes a lot of courage to share vulnerable things like that, so thank you so much. It's going to help a lot of people. Well, that would be wonderful. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Yeah, Melinda is, Melinda Cathy is a trauma therapist, and she knows what she's talking about, so if you heard something here that uh, that you can relate to, uh, it, take it to heart. And remember that the Bible promises, the Lord promised that he w- who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And you just heard Melinda talk about the work that's being done in her. And really the work that God is doing in you is lifelong work. And until the day you see him face to face, that work will continue and he'll never forsake you. He will always be with you and he loves you. And so we tell stories like this on Life Support because we want you to know Jesus at a deeper level. We want you to understand his love for you. And so thanks for allowing us to spend time with you. This is a production of our wonderful partners, Faith Radio, MyFaithRadio.com, Five Stone Media. And you can watch a video version at their website, FiveStoneMedia.com, and then Ridgewood Church. We'd love to see you as well at myrwc.org and check me out on Twitter at Pastor Paul J as well. May God bless you and thanks for being here on Life Support. We'll catch you next time. I'm Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media and we've just recently launched a trauma site intended as tools and resources for the church to equip leaders to come alongside those going through pain and suffering. If you'd like to learn more, log on to lifesupportresources.org. That's lifesupportresources.org. To see a video version of this interview, log on to fivestonemedia.com slash lifesupport. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.